Brilliant. So good to hear people's stories, hear a little bit about what's going on in their lives. Apologies if I wasn't able or if we weren't able to include your video, but we're going to find some uh, crea creative ways to uh, uh, get you into our meetings or onto social media um, over the next uh, week or so. Um, I just wanted to mention before we uh, dive into the sort of second half of our preach series, I, I just wanted to mention obviously the whole challenge obviously that we're facing at the moment as we go into a second national lockdown. And for some of you, I know that that would cause you dread, um, uh, fear, there may be other emotions uh, that, that, that are rising up within you. And I just, I just want to encourage you to look back to the start of lockdown back in March. And I would encourage you to look again at the preach series that we did at the very beginning. Because at the start of lockdown, we worked our way through the letter that was sent to the church at Philippi. Um, and we spent eight weeks working our way through those four chapters. And we said there were a number of similarities that the Apostle Paul faced to what we're facing today. Because he was in a lockdown um, a bit different to ours because he was in prison. And, and, and he had no idea when he was going to come out of it. And yet the way he approached it, the way he faced it, the way he trusted in God, the way he leant on God in prayer, the way he saw opportunities for the gospel to go out there and for life change to take place, I believe there is loads that we can learn still as a church from this letter. And so if right now that some of your emotions, you know, like I say, a bit of anxiety, fear, different things like that, can I encourage you, rather than just living with those emotions, turn to Philippians. Look again at maybe some of the messages that we preached right back in March and April of this year and allow, allow your faith to be strengthened. Allow hope to come again as you battle anxiety, as you fight for faith, as you lean on God. Is that all right? just want to encourage you. This, sometimes we don't need something new. We need to re-go back over what God has taught us before and make sure that we've learned those lessons that God was teaching us at the very beginning. I, I'm just going to pray, actually, and then we're going to dive into this new preach series. Oh, Lord God, I, I just want to pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, over these coming weeks, you would remind us again of things that we already know, things that you may have spoken to us but we've forgotten. And I pray, Lord God, that the truth of your word would go even deeper into our lives. It would take greater uh, root within us, Lord God, and more and more um, how we feel would be linked to the truth of your word, Lord God. Help us, help us to lean more and more on you in these difficult and trying times. We pray that in your precious name, we say, Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and invade our lives afresh, bringing hope, bringing strength, bringing peace. We pray that in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. So we are going to continue um, uh, a preach series that we paused um, for about four or five weeks, and we're going to be looking at good news for everyday, everyday life, the gospel, good news for everyday life. And in the first part of the series, we looked at how the gospel is earthed into our lives. We looked at forgiveness and the grace of God and what the gospel is. In the second half, we're going to look at how 
The gospel is designed to penetrate every aspect of our lives. So today we're going to be looking at work and the workplace. Um, Next week, Steve Young is going to be looking at the whole subject of retirement. Um, Is it just retirement from employment or is it retirement from the kingdom of God? I'll let Steve answer that one. We're going to be looking at how the gospel affects money and possessions. We're going to be looking at friendship. We're going to be looking at marriage. And hopefully as we work our way through this series, you're going to see that the gospel doesn't just affect what we do on Sundays. It affects 24-7. It affects every aspect of who we are and what happens in life. For myself and a little bit of my work history, just so you understand that I wasn't born a pastor. You know, I wasn't born in that situation where I only work one day a week um, and the other six days, you know, I'm a man of leisure or, or, or even worse, actually, I, I, I only work one hour of one day a week and then the rest of the time, who knows what he does. Um, I, I, I left college at 17. Um, I started work in the building industry. I worked there for about 15 years. Um, I trained as a quantity surveyor. Um, I I had all the joys and all the the, the difficulties of the cut and thrust environment that the building industry um, brings. I enjoyed the work immensely. Um, I worked for three different local building contractors over that time. Um, At one point, I had the, uh, the uncertainty of facing redundancy. I was made, um, I was made redundancy, made redundant. Um, but, but like I say, I love the job, developed well, um, got promoted at different times. And uh, when I was invoice, invited to join the staff of the church, if I'm honest, it was quite a tricky thing because I really did um, enjoy the work that I was doing. And so I've got a bit of understanding of a real workplace, a normal workplace, and all that goes, uh, goes with that. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the whole subject of work under three broad headings. We're going to look at God's big plan and uh, how, how that works. We're going to look at how sin has affected the workplace and work. And we're going to look at how the gospel affects work as well. So God's plan. Work is part of God's plan. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll find that God is a worker himself. He, he does work. So if, um, if you were to turn to your Bibles, you'd see in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. Not a bad piece of work, I would say. I think he did quite well with that. By the seventh day, God had finished the work with which he was doing, and on the seventh day, he rested from all his Work And so the God that we worship, the God that we follow, he is a worker himself. And in actual fact, God enjoyed the satisfaction of a job well done. He saw that it was very good. So, 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 so God understands something of what it is to work. But we find also that God, it's not only God that, who, who is a worker, but we find that we are designed to work as well. So in Genesis 2 verse 15 it says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So before the fall, before sin entered the world, God set it up that we would work as well. As human beings, we would be workers. It's part of our image bearing. We're created in the image of God. God is a worker. We are created to work as well. John Stott, who was a Bible teacher of the last century, he said this, For according to Scripture, 
Work is a blessing and not a curse. And it is, it is the creation and not the fall which has made us workers. And I think it's important just to allow that to settle in our own lives, particularly if we find work difficult, if we find it uncomfortable, if we don't find it an easy place to be. It's good for us just to remember, actually, no, no, we are designed to work and God himself is a worker. Our potential for creative work is part of our God-likeness. So our, our, our ability to plan, our ability to write, our ability to organise, our ability to make people better or to build things, it's, it's something that God has put in there in our image-bearing of God himself. We also find that work is good. I may not get a very good amen from that or a big amen, but it is true nonetheless. Work is good, and it's, it's meant to bring benefit to the broader community. It brings benefit to us personally. It brings benefit maybe to our dependents if our work earns us money, so we're prov able to provide for our immediate family. But it brings benefit to society at lar large, and work is intended for the fulfilment of the worker. So just as when God saw that his work was good, so actually at the end of a day where we've worked hard for us to walk away, and I know we don't always feel this way, but actually we can look and say, no, no, that was good. We've, I've created something, something good has happened there. Ecclesiastes, which is a book of the Bible, which probably isn't high on your reading list, but there are some absolute nuggets within it, says this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. And so to find satisfaction in our work is a good thing. Now, although, although we are designed, as it were, to work, the climax of our life is not in the workplace. You'll actually find, if you look at creation, God worked for six days, and then what happened? He had the Sabbath, and we are designed in the same way. We are designed to work, but then we're also designed to rest, and for our rest to focus on who God is and what he's like. The goal of our lives is not to work hard, but to worship and glorify God. Six days work and then the Sabbath, and it protects us from thinking that work is the most important thing in our lives. We're meant to have a pause, we're meant to have a rest, we're meant to have a break where we refocus our lives not on what we're doing work-wise, but on God himself. And so Sabbath isn't just resting and watching Netflix all day. The Sabbath is meant to be also about focusing on who God is and what he's like. So actually gathering together as the saints to worship him, whether in person, as we're able to do today, or on, on, on YouTube, and we gather together in that way, is, is part of the Sabbath working as it should. We're to prioritise our living around the priorities that God has given to us. And then, by way of introduction, the last thing I just want to say is, there is a difference between work and employment. Employment is when you get paid for the work that you are doing, um, but you can still very much work even if you aren't employed. 
God has called us to live productive and fruitful lives. And sometimes, for some reasons, we're not able to be employed. It may be that we've, we've lost our jobs or our health doesn't allow us to work. Or God has called us to a vocation that we don't get paid for. Maybe it's, it's like um, being a homemaker and looking after family. Maybe you're a recently retired re- you're a recently retired retiree. I don't think that made any sense, but, but you, you know what I mean. Um, maybe you're a carer um, for someone at home or you're a student. So God doesn't call us to be employed. He, he calls us to, to work, to be productive in what we're doing. What God says we're not to be is idle. So we're told, told not to be idle. So you may not have paid work, but, but please don't use that as an excuse for being idle. We can still be productive, we can still be fruitful for God. And I know that if you are unemployed or if you're possibly facing unemployment in this very, very difficult season, I know it can be incredibly worrying um, and unsettling uh, for you. And it's good to process what's going on through that. But as I mentioned last week when I was talking about bereavement, let me encourage you. Allow the gospel to go deeper than what you're feeling with that possible unemployment. Just as I mentioned about the gospel going deeper than the loss I felt at bereavement, so the gospel can go deeper even than the fear or the anxiety you may feel at a pending unemployment, can I ask you, push into God, lean into him, look to find strength from him at this time. Ask for help from your family, the church. Ask for help from us. Maybe if you're in financial need at the moment, please let us know. There might be something as a family that we can do to support you financially in this time. We don't want you to walk through unemployment or fear of unemployment on your own. Do share what's going on. Connect groups are a good place to share anxieties and fears and things like that, for you to be able to pray together, for you to be able to strengthen yourself in God at this time. So as we've seen um, by way of sort of this first point, we find that God works, we're to work, that work is good, and that there is a difference between work and employment. So, what's gone wrong? Because the reality is, for many of us, our workplaces are not necessarily happy places to be, and there are certainly stresses and strains and challenges there. What we find is that sin affects work like, like it's affected every aspect of life. When sin entered the world, it affected the workplace as, as well as other things as well. It says in Genesis 3.17, To Adam, he said, this is God. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food um, from, from it all the days of your life. And there was a, there's a frustration to work that has come in on the back of the fall. And, and we see that. It doesn't go as we would want it to often in work. But we also find that relationships within the workplace are also affected. Um, greed, envy, laziness, exploitation, disharmony, selfishness, those, those negative things that have come in, they also affect our workplaces. That at times means that our workplaces are not good places 
to be. We can see it in the office environment, we can see it in the classroom, we can see it on the hospital ward, we can see it um, uh, in various different aspects, and, 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 and it can be difficult because sin frustrates and sin makes it difficult. And what we see in the small, what we see in the micro, we also see in the macro. We see it, we see it in the big as well, don't we? We see something that God has created good, which is work, frustrated and ruined and broken down. So in, in certain instances, we'll find multinational companies exploiting their workers maybe in the third world and not paying them a good amount of money for what they do. All of it is the effects of sin. It doesn't make work bad, but, but, but it turns work bad. So what, what does the gospel have to say? How does the gospel affect the workplace? Well, as, as, as you know, the gospel affects um, everything. It, it, it starts with a dying to sin, a change of heart, God's power at work within us, but it overflows into other aspects of life as well, like marriage and family and friendships, but work as well. Let me just take two very simple examples from the Bible, and I, I, want, I want these to provoke you when you look at the depth of the change that, that, that should occur in our workplaces now we're following Jesus. So it says this in Ephesians 4 verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may, be have, they, they may have something to share with those in need. I mean, this talks here of radical change to the human heart. It talks about someone that has survived by stealing, by taking from, taking from people what they shouldn't have taken. And, and the Apostle Paul says to, to these people, look, not only are you not to steal any longer, so you're to stop stealing, you're to start working. And then he says, it's not in order that you might get rich. It's not in order that you might be able to put in your pension pot. It might, it's not in order that you might buy possessions or, or that you might um, do other things. He says, it's in order that you might be able to share with those in need. Now, now think for a moment, the radical change that this talks about. So a heart, that grabbed what they didn't deserve from people that, that, that shouldn't give it to them in, in stealing, and such a 180-degree turn that people not only start working but want to give away to a group of people that maybe don't deserve it, but generously give away to them. The gospel penetrates to the very deepest aspects of our hearts. Let me, let me read to you example number two. And don't get caught up with the sort of slaves and masters um, uh, thing that is being spoken about here. Swap that over to employees and bosses. <coughs> employees, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slaves or free, employees or bosses. Again, this talks here about massive heart change. It's talking about not just working when you're being watched, but work really hard 
all the time and, and, and don't, don't view who you're working for as your earthly boss, but view the person you're working for as Jesus himself. And it talks here not just about your actions, <coughs> but your attitude as well. Serve, work wholeheartedly, put your whole heart into it. The gospel penetrates to even change our attitudes. This is not paper thin transformation. It hits at the very root of it. And this is only possible because the gospel is powerful and effective. But it doesn't finish there. You see, the gospel affects our work identity. Although we're designed to work, we're not to get our identity from our workplaces. Our identity is not defined by our position or our pay packet or what we do for a living. Our identity is defined by the fact that we are children of the living God and we are loved by him, regardless of whether we're employed or unemployed. I am, you are a child of God and you are loved by him. We find that our treasure changes place as well. Our careers, our jobs, our gifts from God, but they're not our treasure. Jesus is our treasure. He's, he's the one that we've set our heart on. He's the one that we are following. And so, so in some ways, whoever we're serving, Jesus is our treasure, so we give our best to him. And the gospel changes eternity for us. You know, society says, work hard, then put your feet up and enjoy retirement. But the gospel says, no, it doesn't work like that. It says, work hard. You can retire from your employment, but you can't retire from the kingdom. And then you're going to spend eternity with God anyway. And if, if by nature God has designed us to be image bearers and workers, what do you think that eternity has got for us? We're going to be working for Jesus in eternity as well. It's part of who we are. And Steve's going to speak about retirement next week. So as I finish, the gospel affects everything. And it even penetrates into our workplaces, into our employment. What we do, whatever that might be, whether we're carers, whether we're mums, whether we're foster parents, whether we're looking for work at the moment, whether we're signed off long-term sick, actually the gospel affects what we do in all of those things. And God has called us to lives of, lives of productivity and fruitfulness, whatever our energy levels Whatever our mental capacity, whatever we're able to do, God has called us. It's part of our DNA to be fruitful for him. As we close, we're going to be taking bread and wine. And what I'd love us to do, whether you're here in the auditorium or whether you're at home, I'd love you to focus not so much on what happens when you gather together with the saints and church, but I'd love you to focus on what happens in your nine to five, Monday through to Friday, and think about how the gospel affects that and how you serve Jesus in your nine to five. And it might be that you've had wrong attitudes or wrong thoughts about your workplace and you need to repent of them. It might be that you've maybe just become a bit lazy and actually you're not quite as good as an employee as you should be as a follower of Jesus and you need to put some of that right. It might be that you need to find some fresh hope at the moment and uh, you're struggling with unemployment. Well, as we take the bread and wine, why don't we use that as an opportunity to focus back onto Jesus? 
So I'm going to hand back over to Paul and uh, Ros, who are just going to lead us through uh, the bread and wine. <laughs>